moral collapse of America. We're going we're gonna to go to the book of Hebrews, and we're going to read one verse of Scripture for our opening text today, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. This is what it reads like. If you don't have a Bible, you, it's up on the screen. And Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Um, now we're going to get we're going to get um, pretty plain in our in our speech today, um, because it is necessary. Uh, marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Now, I'm going to read that same scripture in two more translations. The New American Standard Version uh, reads it like this. Marriage is to be held in honor among all. And the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Let me read it one more time in uh, the God's Word translation. You know that has become to be a favorite of mine uh, in teaching and preaching. Marriage is honorable in every way. So husbands and wives should be faithful to each other. God will judge those who commit sexual sins, especially those who commit adultery. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Fathers, we come today. We thank you and we praise you for the privilege we have to be in your house on today. And Lord, as we consider this nation of ours, we know that our country is in a bad way. She is spiritually sick. She is anemic spiritually. America needs revival and America needs awakening. And we realize, God, that part of, the, part of the way to bring this across is that more people speak up and speak out against the sin and weakness of our country, that we might lead the hearts of many women to repentance. And I pray, God, that this message today will speak to us, help us to be more, more bold in declaring your word and your truth. In the mighty name of Jesus, let the church say, Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Now, you might think I'm going to talk about, uh, you might be thinking I'm going to be talking about divorce and remarriage. But we're really not going to be dealing with that per se, although we will touch on that. That's not going to be the basis. I, uh, I look back, and if you remember, um, uh, we did a we did a message on that not long ago, uh, uh, earlier in the year about uh, marriage, uh, uh, divorce, and um, and remarriage. Today, uh, the third part. This is part three in our series, the moral collapse of America. I'm going to be speaking on the subject titled the unholy union. The unholy union. Amen. I was greatly disturbed to hear on uh, a news broadcast after returning back from Washington, D.C., and 
you know, I, Sister Darlene and myself both, we have really enjoyed our trip. This was our first time uh, to, uh, to, to go to Washington, D.C. And um, as we was traveling along uh, the interstate and headed, uh, heading through Virginia and, uh, and when we, as we was going around through there and, uh, and began to cross the Potomac River, and then I could look and I could see there was uh, sites that I recognized because I'd, I'd seen them in, um, uh, in textbooks and other pictures and on television and everything. I sites that um, I easily recognized, uh, the Lincoln Memorial uh, and uh, uh, the Washington Monument and uh, uh, Arlington Cemetery and uh, when I f- when I when I first got a glimpse of, of Lincoln's memorial, I, you know, it, I I can't I can't explain um, how it it, it just kind of affected me. I just had a uh, uh, a special feeling uh, the, that uh, engulfed me when I, I went there and uh, uh, going over and spending time in Arlington Cemetery uh, and seeing. Uh, uh, the uh, the gravesite of President John F. Kennedy, who was assassinated in 1963, walking around there taking pictures and uh, seeing uh, seeing his grave there and there burning uh, the uh, uh, the eternal flame as they named it, uh, and I can remember, and it seems like just yesterday, uh, even though I'm. Uh, a lot older now, but I, and I was just a kid, but I can remember, I can remember watching him light that flame uh, uh, when uh, when he was assassinated and buried. I remember that watching it on TV, um, and going into the Lincoln Memorial and Memorial and there that huge statue uh, of Abraham Lincoln. If ever was a man, there never there never has been. Uh, never has been a preacher with any greater call in their life. Lord Abraham Lincoln was called by God to be the man of the hour for this nation uh, in that time. Uh, I don't think it could there could not have been a man to be able to accomplish what he did uh, to change our country and, um, uh, and and put it on course and hold the nation together. Uh, he was definitely called by God. I've studied a lot on his life. I'm a history buff anyway, and I knew a lot about him. And um, going into Ford's Theater, we got a chance to enter that theater and look up there in the balcony area uh, that uh, uh, where, where he was shot. And, uh, I mean, everything just became more vivid. I started telling, you know, uh, telling Sister Darlene, yeah, I said, yeah, I said, that's, uh, over there, there's a picture. They said that picture of, of, uh, of George Washington was, was hanging there that night he was shot. And, uh, and I told her about how uh, the guy who uh, assass- assassinated him, he jumped down from that balcony and hit the stage. That's how he hurt himself and, uh, to run out and all that. So all that stuff just came back. But uh, seeing all that then, uh, it... Uh, Gave me a little bit of, um, like I said, I, I really can't explain it, but I was moved by it. But then to come back 
and uh, the first night back to turn on my TV and sit down uh, to hear a news broadcast that I heard. Something has transpired and happened since I've started this series of messages titled The Moral Collapse of America. Um, this is not the same America as it used to be. This country has changed. And I was greatly disturbed to hear and I watched a film on television that the governor of New York City signed into law the opening of gay marriage, which was passed by their legislator by a vote, just by four votes, a four-vote margin. And one news agency put it this way. This is how one news agency wrote it. Celebrations erupted in the streets of New York on Friday after a late-night vote in the state legislature, ain't it amazing how these uh, politicians, when they want to pass something real quick uh, and, uh, and, and, and try to do it uh, um, uh, that will cause less disturbance because they know so many American people is going to be against it, ain't it amazing how many of these things they pass in the middle of the night? They do it in Washington, and they do it in, in, in various states. A late-night vote. They tried it in 2009, but it was rejected. So they, they finagled around, and now they had a governor. The state of New York had a governor that, uh, 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 that did everything in his power to bring it about. And so in a late-night vote, the state legislature sent a same-sex marriage bill to Governor Andrew Como to sign in the law. The move is seen as a mayor, um, uh, major victory for the gay rights movement and makes New York State the sixth state but the largest and more, most populous state in the nation to permit same-sex marriages. Just happened. Some of you have probably seen seen the news report yourself. Governor Como is reported as saying, "We reached a new level of social justice this evening." Proudly standing and talking to the people, we have reached a new level of social justice this evening. Well, I stand to declare today to Mr. Como that by your assistance, the state of New York has sunken to a lower level of moral and social degradation, placing your state and this nation on a collision course with God's judgment. That, in fact, is what he signed. He signed judgment on New York, and he signed judgment on America. Yeah, it's a new level, but it's not a higher level. It's a lower level. Upon hearing the decisions like this one in New York and similar ones around the nation, it compels me with fervent, 
passionate appeal to stand on the wall and blow the trumpet and give warning to this ever-increasing rebellious land. Pastor Moore Davis in this message today, amen, began to talk on this very same thing about when we see sin and things going rapid and we fail to blow the trumpet to sound an alarm that people's blood will be on our hands. I was sitting there and I was listening at it one year as I was sitting at my computer writing this. I done had this down. Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 1 through 7. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people, and say to them, When I bring the sword upon a land, and the people of the land take a man from their territory, and make them their watchmen, when he sees a sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself, but he who takes warning will save his life. Verse 6, but if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he has taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hands. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. God's telling me night and day, even in the middle of my sleep, to sound an alarm, to blow a trumpet. And even if every last person turns and walks out, I will continue to cry as long as there is breath in me. I will blow the trumpet. If I'm going to speak at all, I'm going to speak truth. If I'm going to stand, I'm going to stand for truth. I'm not going to stand. Hallelujah. I have to speak to cry out because the fire of God's Spirit is acting as a huge boar deep down inside of my soul, erupting into pleas for revival and repentance in this nation so the hands of the clock of God's judgment can be turned backward instead of forward. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The clock of God's judgment is hanging on the wall. But if we as God's people blow the trumpet and if we can amen, bring about a revival, we can turn the hand back rather than see the hands move forward towards midnight of judgment. Hallelujah. Our first message in this series 
was entitled Homosexuality Makes Prime Time. Then we went on the last message that we preached and taught was on the grip of addiction and how that is affecting our nation. And today we're going to follow up on this unholy union. Now if you're wondering, if you're wondering what the meaning of an unholy union is, if you're wondering what I'm talking about, and how it fits in with my message. A simple definition would be this. Any union of a sexual nature outside the consecration of holy matrimony. I'm going to repeat that again for those who are jotting notes down. An unholy union is any union of a sexual nature outside the consecration of holy matrimony. Remember our text? Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. God designed the enjoyment and benefits of sexual intimacy exclusively for the husband and wife relationship. God intended and intended for sexual intimacy between a man and a woman to be enjoyable and to be beneficial. But He did it exclusively for the husband and wife relationship. When it is preserved in that environment, it becomes an act of love and remains holy. Anytime we allow sexual intimacy to go outside the boundary and the consecration of marriage, it's no longer an act of love, but it's an act of lust and self-gratification, making it both illegal and an unholy union. Now, I believe you're following what I'm talking about today. Hallelujah. The Bible has one word for it. It's called fornication. It's having relationships with another, with a man or with a woman in whom you are not been consecrated in marriage. It is intended, as I have said, it is intended to be an act of love and a holy thing. But any time we allow it to go outside the boundary of con- of, of the, in consecration of marriage, it is an act of lust and self-gratification. And even though it's, it's, it's not the norm today, even it's, not, even it's not what most people are following after and, uh, and believing, but I'm here to tell you today that it becomes illegal and an unholy union. 
as we get into this message, there are two areas that that we're going to talk about considering this, and I will try to take it through as, as swiftly as I can, but I want you to get plainly the Word of God today. The first thing we're going to talk about is the decline of the respect of marriage. The decline of the respect of marriage. Now, before I get into this, uh, back into Scripture and, and talk about that, I have noticed over the course of the past 15 to 20 years, before I've watched marriage ceremonies performed, and you, um, whether in person or you see them on TV, and some of them, some of them, we have seen them go viral on the internet because of just how some ceremonies are taking place. And a lot of things about it, people say, oh man, that's cool, you know, that's, uh, that's, really, uh, that's really jazzed up and whatever. But what I see... And respective as the Word of God and what the Word of God teaches matrimony to be, matrimony is supposed to be a sacred act. The marriage of a man and a woman should be just as sacred as somebody coming on their knees and praying. It's not to just do it any way you want to do it and boogaloo down the middle of the aisle and turn flips. You even see them bungee jumping. Yeah, I'm a minister of the gospel, but I do not have to marry everybody who comes to me, want me to marry them. If there's not going to be a certain level of respect and dignity to it, this man won't do it. Get married if you want to, but there's got to be some respect in the thing of marriage. Whoop, 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 it's the truth anyhow. The world today don't like that, but I'm telling you the truth. That's one reason why after three or four years your husband or your wife is running around on you now because you didn't have no sacredness, amen, or respect about your marriage ceremony. You didn't include God in it. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. The decline of the respect of marriage. What was that scripture that we read in Hebrews 13 and 4? He said, marriage is honorable among all. You know what? Marriage is not held in high honor today. People don't They don't. They have taken out the sacredness of it. It's amazing to me how many marriage ceremonies go through from start to finish today, and you won't hear one prayer prayed. But we could hear all the secular songs being sung. And played in them. Hello? 
but any reference to God, any prayer for God to bless this union and put his hand on this man because when they leave that place today, they're going to have to walk out in the arms of God or they will not make it. I may look mad today, but I'm not mad. I promise you. I I told you there seems to be a a boiler inside of me. How do you like Jeremiah said? Like there's fire shut up in my bones. Even churches and Christians are leaving God out of the marriage ceremony. Preachers are forgetting it. My pastor, I want it done this way. That suits me fine. Find you somebody else. Go get the justice of the peace. Because if you don't want to put God in it, just go ahead and get the justice of the peace anyway. Hallelujah. Ain't nothing in my contract that tells me i got to marry you. Hallelujah. Glory. We live in a world where marriage is no longer respected by all. Hebrews 13.4 in the Holman's Christian Standard Version says marriage must be respected by all. Hallelujah. King James says honored, but the Holman Christian Standard Version uses this word respected. Marriage must be respected by all. But we live in a world where marriage is no longer respected by all. It is look now listen to me close. I'm taking my time because I'll, this is important. It is looked at as an inconvenience and an encumbersome legal trap to design to take freedom and independence away from those who say I do. That's what the marriage ceremony is to a whole lot of people. An inconvenience, an encumbersome legal trap designed to take freedom away and independence away from those who say I do. That's how come you got so many people. I won't use the term... Uh, that Brother Harrison used all the time. I will, sh- I will show a little bit more etiquette. And hallelujah. That's one reason why they're living together unmarried. You talk to some of them and say, well, it's just getting, we'll, we'll just be together. Remember the title of this message, The Unholy Union? You're going to begin to find out what I'm talking about now. And the moral collapse of this nation of what's going on because marriage is no longer respected in our world. Marriage has become an inconvenience, an encompassing legal trap designed to take freedom and independence away from those who say, I, I do. Well, I don't, I don't see no, I, I don't see no real problem with that. I mean, if you don't, uh, if you want to just be your own boss and do what you want to do all the time and, and go, Without making any phone calls or letting husband or wife know where you're at, you want to you want to get hit uh, every weekend, the golf course, or go hunting or go fishing every weekend. You enjoy doing all that, and 
uh, and so you're afraid that will be encumbersome to you. Marriage will be that you will, and, and that is true. That's what a lot of people don't realize. That it's a whole lot of difference in being single and married. Hello. You don't you don't make the sole decisions no longer. There's somebody else you got to include in your decisions. Hello. And and if somebody says, well, you know, I'd rather just I just just rather live over here without marriage. And we're going to find out. We're going to get into some scriptures that talks about that. You can actually live closer to God if you remain unmarried, and and probably will be used with more spiritual gifts. So I mean, if somebody chooses not to be married, so there's no problem with that. But the problem is, and listen to this preacher close. The problem is, is when you don't want the commitment but you still want the benefit of marriage. Marriage is too inconvenient. It's too encumbersome. I stay single like that little song they used to sing years ago, I wished I was single again because when I was single, my pockets would jingle. Hallelujah. Glory. I have no problem with that. Nobody, man or woman, ever needs to get the idea that you, you can't live a complete life without a man or woman. The only one you can't live a complete life with is Jesus Christ in your life. If, ladies, sweetheart, if you think you need a man in your life to be complete, you're sadly mistaken. You're going to find out sooner or later he's not all what he's cracked up to be. I don't know if I like that amen or not. I don't know if it's because when we stood over here at First Apostolic Church in the other building over there, and Brother Shoulders uh, 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 put Sister Darlene and me together, and we said, I do, I, I'm having a feeling right now, maybe that amen coming for when, when we did that. I, 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 had, I was wearing 29 waist pants, but now I'm wearing 50 some of your none business waist pants. Hallelujah. That guy or that gal at one time in your life that you got so much passion for that you just feel like that you could just eat them up, believe me, there'll come a day you wished you had. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ladies, don't never feel that you can't be complete without a man in your life. You can live a complete, fulfilling life and be happy without a man. Likewise, men, the same thing with women. The biggest problem 
and I've preached this and taught this and many other missions down through the 30 years. Everybody, everybody, just about, I, I, say, I say 99%. I'm going to give it 1%. Really take enough sufficient time to pray and to fast and to seek God whether or not this man or this woman I'm fixing to marry is God's will or not. Is it God's choice or is it my choice? But as the old folks used to say, if you make your bed hard, what you got to do? Shut up and quit gripping and complaining. Hallelujah. There's no problem with somebody deciding to live single. But the problem is, if you don't want to get married, if you say, I don't want that commitment, I don't want to make that commitment to somebody else, but you still want the benefit of that marriage. You hear what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Amen. If you won't want to be 100% committed, mister, then keep your hands off of her. If you don't want to be 100% committed, sister, keep your hands off of him. Do you hear what I'm preaching today? That's where the problem is. That's the unholy union. At one time, at one time in this nation, a man and a woman who lived together without being married were socially shunned and avoided. I'm not that old. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not reached 60 yet. I'm getting closer to it every year, but I, you know, I, I hadn't got, but I can remember this myself. I can remember as a kid hearing adults talking about so-and-so who's living together with this one or that one, unmarried to him. The day was in this country that living together unmarried was socially shunned and avoided. I'm not talking about church folk. I'm just talking about society in general. In most states, listen to me now, in most states they were, they were prosecuted by law if caught. Did you know that? There used to be a time in, in, all, in all 50 states, just about, just about every one of them, that there were laws on the books forbidding couples living together unmarried. And if they were caught, they were prosecuted. But there has been a gradual shift from the once forbidden to the side of the socially accepted. It's accepted socially now with no thoughts of the moral implications of a loose living lifestyle. Now, the first message I preached on homosexuality, a lot of people in church gets all still stirred up about that. And we want to point fingers at this one, and we want to condemn that one, and we want to say that one's going to hell because these two men are having an affair, these two women are getting... What I'm preaching to you about is just as deadly, just as sinful, and just as wrong! 
Sin is sin. And if you condemn one but condone the other, you're a hypocrite. Hallelujah. Glory. We have socially accepted with no thoughts of the moral implications of loose living lifestyle. But there are destructive consequences of this. <laughs> Listen to me close now. There are some destructive consequences of this take a test drive before you buy attitude in regards to marriage. Hallelujah. Brother Darrell, I, 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 I would venture to say that just about almost every day you're getting the keys and you're cranking up some kind of automobile for somebody to take a test drive. Hallelujah. And when you're buying a car, it's a good idea. Hallelujah. But this taking a test drive before you buy attitude regarding a marriage, it's not the same thing as a car. Although we're treating it that way today. Hello. Lord. And most people are refusing, even some in the church are refusing to see the moral issue involved in this. Listen to this. A scientific survey of over 1,000 married men and women in the United States found those who moved in with a lover before marriage reported significantly lower quality marriages. Listen to me. When in guards to marriage, this tries you by attitude. People who come together and they live together for some time and then maybe before they, some of them will finally decide to get married. Let me tell you something. Over a thousand men and women were polled in a survey and out of all of them the majority said the quality of their marriage turned out to be not as good. They found out that there was they all them years when they said that just having a piece of paper signed was really not a whole lot to it. These people found out that being married and, and living together is two different things. The relationship is not the same. Hallelujah. And listen to this. This same survey reports that a greater possibility for divorce than couples who marry before they live together. Now, we all know, and this pastor has told you time and time again, that any, at any event today in society, the way society going, that 50% of marriages today, usually within the first five to seven years, will end up in divorce. 50%. But did you know that that goes extremely higher with people who live together for a long period of time or a period of time before they get married 
it becomes a destructive force that works in their marriage. The survey said it's a greater possibility for divorce than couples who marry before moving in together. In fact, one researcher stated as high as 85% of marriages end in divorce when the man and woman live together first. Now, man, that's, that's amazing to me. It might not be to you, but that's amazing to me. But the number of couples, listen, even though this is out there, and this is being taught, it's being said, psychiatrists talk about this, uh, psychologists and all this, they all agree to that. They, they, they see that you, the statistics don't lie. But the number of couples who co-inhabit rather than marrying are increasing in an alarming rate. No matter what is said, no matter what is preached behind the pulpits, the increasing number of couples living together unmarried is, is abounding at an alarming rate. Listen, the number of married couples have been declining for decades as a proportion of American households have finally slipped into a minority. Let me declare unto you in this month of June 2011 in the United States of America that in this nation percentage wise there's more couples living together unmarried right now than couples living together who are married. Did you know that? I didn't realize it. I, di- I didn't know this a few days ago till I started researching. I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was that bad. Here it is. The New York Times. The American Community Survey released this month by the Census Bureau. How many members, you know, they, it wasn't very long. Everybody was talking about census, and they're all taking census across the nation and all this stuff. This, 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 so this don't come from some jack, jack leg um, uh, poll takers who you can't, you know, you got all, when it, when it comes to getting close to elections, you got all kind of groups taking polls saying, well, this man is ahead or that man's ahead. This party's ahead, that party. This comes from the Census Bureau. found that the percent of married couples in this nation has dropped below 50%, found that 49.7% of couples living together married and with, with or without children. It don't make no difference no more. They're planning now. I mean, couples, they, they get together and they move in together. And they go ahead and plan. And they'll get married. I mean, they don't get married, but then they'll plan, plan for a family and have children. And even when the child comes along, they don't have enough respect and love for the child that they gave birth to to make things legal and right. At least in the sight of man, much less the sight of God. Hallelujah. Just shy of a majority. And 
and down. It only took five years. Five years ago, five years ago, the number was 52% of couples living together. Five years ago, 52% were married. Now, it's 49.7. I'm talking about the decline of the respect for marriage. The decline for the respect of marriage. Folks, and the alarming thing is, people say, well, you know, they're adults. They may be adults, but they don't have good sense. Hello, somebody. And, and we think it's bad. We think it's bad now that uh, people in the gay lifestyle wants to come in and, and be members in churches and be baptized. And we even got bishops or gay bishops ordained, preachers, gay you know preachers ordained. We think that's bad. But I have found out the hard way, folks. I have found out the hard way that if a couple comes in that I don't know and they and, and they come and, and they come up and they want me to baptize them, I better put them through all kind of third degree and find out and make sure because I've got sadly I I, I wish I I wish I couldn't say this but I but I have to say brother Jeff there have been times that I've married people, both he and she, and then found out later they were living together unmarried. I'm thinking, my God. And I thought, God, I have got this day that we're living in, I'm going to have to be a better watchman. Because... I'm still thinking, you know, I'm still thinking the old days where people understood that there's got to be a repentance before water baptism. What are you, what are you saying, Brother Samuel? Well, we're apostolic. And everybody knows who knows this preacher that I won't ever baptize nobody in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That just ain't going to happen. But I want you to know something, folks. If I take somebody down living in sin and ain't stop living in sin, I just as well as to baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost, or when I baptize them in the name of Papa, I do just as well. It ain't going to help you. You're still going to hell. You're still lost. If you've all, but maybe if they repent, let me tell you something. We have watered this repentance down long enough, apostolic. Repentance means of making a turnaround, a change of life. Repentance means you, you don't go the same places you went before. You don't say the same thing you did before. If you're still cussing and doping and drinking and doing all that, you ain't experienced true repentance. 
went through a program some kind of way, but your heart's not changed. You're like Simon the Psalter in the 8th chapter of Acts, who believed and was baptized. But when Peter come, he says, your heart's not right. Hallelujah. So, I, know, I, I still remember. They got one, one couple started coming, coming to our church on Meridian. Coming regular. And I found out. I found out where they wasn't married. And they, they come to me and they talked to me. They found out. I said, we want to be baptized in Jesus' name. We see what you're talking about. I said, well, that's fine. But uh, you got to make some changes. And I, and I talked with them and I counseled with them for I don't know how many weeks. And still, that's why I'm telling you, people's mindset is just all messed up today. Even though I tell them time and time again what the Bible says, they still t- come to me, Brother Sammy, won't you baptize us? Won't you baptize us? And we got some weak livered folks. And I, I can understand people being soft. My wife tells me I'm a pushover. But folks, you cannot just go along with everybody's whim and wishes just in hopes maybe if you go through it with them that it might cause them to change. That, 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 you say, but I don't want to see nobody lost. I understand that. But you don't sit down at a table at a bar with a drunk and drink a beer with him to get him, to get him saved. Hello, somebody. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My Lord, I'm not going to get finished with this today. Not going to get finished with this today. So the number of married couples in this nation compared to those who are living together unmarried, those living together unmarried outnumbers. If you are married, you're in the minority as of right now. The second point, let me get started. I won't get it all done. But I'm going to talk about the need of the consecration of marriage. The need of the consecration of marriage. Going back to our opening scripture, Hebrews 13 and 4. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. The last part of that verse now is what we're going to talk about. But fornicators and adulterers God will judge. If you've never took that verse of Scripture seriously, you better start taking it seriously. Because it says what it means, and it means what it says. And that's why I'm preaching it. If, if, it, if it wasn't truth, I would not be preaching it. Do you understand? I hope everybody knows this path. I'd rather be preaching something than getting everybody shouting. Man, I like, man, the Bible is full of good stuff, man, that we can get to rejoicing and shouting and feel good about Man, believe me, I wish I didn't have to get involved in this stuff. But for the very fact that I have to should be a warning signal. Should be a warning signal. 
as we consider the last part of this verse, I want to remind you that God wanted mankind to have companionship. He said it wasn't good for a man to be alone, so he designed marriage between the man and the woman. I thought I better put that in there. Hallelujah. There was a day I wouldn't have to worry about it, but today I have to make sure I have to cross every T and dot every I. Hallelujah. God designed marriage between the man and the woman. God said that a man would leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two would become the one flesh. But when Adam sinned, listen to me now. I'm going to I'm going to wind this down. When Adam sinned, he became a slave to the lust of his flesh, which had now become degenerated into animalistic cravings and desires. Now I know you, good Holy Ghost filled, Jesus name baptized people, would never want to admit it, but every one of us was born. Every one of us, every one of us born, had was born with animalistic cravings and desires. Not a man or woman in here didn't have them in you when you was born. You left to yourself is capable of doing everything. Without God, without the Spirit of God, you're capable of doing anything. You could even commit murder. Oh, no, I'd never kill nobody. Uh, be careful what you say you never do. I'm talking about the flesh-led nature of Adam right now. So in order to keep fleshly lust under control and to keep the sexual act holy, God designed the sexual act. I don't want to. I don't want nobody leave here to think that it's, there, there's nothing unclean and unholy about that in itself. But it's when it's an unholy union. Okay. So because Adam fell, God had to do something to keep the fleshly lust under control of man and to keep the sexual act holy. God sanctified the marriage bed. So husband and wife would not defile themselves as they replenish the earth. He told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. God sanctified the marriage bed. If he hadn't done that, every time Adam and Eve get out there to do what God told them to do, replenish the earth, they would be doing an unholy, sinful act. Do you follow what I'm saying? Now, First, now, I've got to read these scriptures. It's been years since I've taught on these things. And I'm going to read, I'm not, I'm going to read quickly, and he'll probably have it up on the screen. I'm not going to linger. Uh, I don't want, you know, I mean, uh, I wished everybody in here was over a certain age or whatever, but um, let me read these scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to read them from the Holman uh, Christian Standard Version. Uh, I can't, you know, I, I'm rushing on. I'm not going to use every version, but listen and look to how it reads. This is Paul writing the church of Corinth. Now in response to the matters you wrote about, they had wrote the Apostle Paul asking him some questions about how they should live and conduct themselves in various things in marriage, Marriage is one of the things they had wrote to him about. And Paul wrote back to them. And I told you a while ago I'd be getting back to what about, you know, you don't necessarily have to be married. 
that you don't, you know, you can be complete without it unless you got Christ in your life. But anyway, this is what Paul said. He said it's good for a man not to have relations with a woman. No words. He said it's good for a man never to marry. But because sexual immorality is so common, he had to deal with it back then, didn't he? Each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. Most of this stuff is self-explanatory, and I ain't, I'm just going to read. I ain't going to take the time. A husband should fulfill his marital responsibility to his wife, and likewise a wife to her husband. Now, we don't have to draw pictures here. This, this should be self-explanatory. Verse 4, a wife. Oh, man, uh, the women's live movement, they, they despise this verse right here. A wife does not have the right over her own body, but her husband does. In the same way, a husband does not have the right over his own body, but his wife does. Do not, do not deprive one another sexually. This is why I'm reading this version. Except when you agree for a time to devote yourself to prayer. Then come together again, otherwise Satan may tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Don't never deprive one another. If you said, I do, if you accepted the commitment, then um, it's not just about you anymore. It's not just about your uh, needs and your satisfaction. It's about somebody else's. But there are certain times, and we talk about, we talked about the, uh, the 21 days Daniel's fast, when you're fasting or... Uh, uh, or whatever. He said, except when you agree for a time to devote yourself to prayer. He says, then come come together again. Verse 6, I say the following as concession, not a command. Now, the, Paul says, now the rest of what I'm fixing to tell you, he says, he said, I'm not commanding this. In other words, this didn't just come from the Lord. He says, but I want you to consider this from verse 7 on through verse 9. I wish, this is what Paul said, I wish that all people were just like me. Can somebody tell me what he meant by that? Paul was a single man. That's how come he said, I'm not going to tell you what I'm fixing to say out of commandment. I'm not telling you you have to remain single. But he said, I wish that all people were just like me. Each has his own gift from God. One person in this way and another in that way. I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain as I am. That's what I was talking about early in the beginning. Somebody can actually get closer to God and be used more if you dedicate your life completely uh, and um, uh, unto God and set yourself uh, and, and you become married to God. But, you know, everybody is not called to that. And, 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 and you're not loved by God any less. I mean, we've been talking about this whole thing about marriage uh, was important to God. Verse 9, But if they do not have self-control, they should marry. For it is to mar better to marry than to burn with desire. Hallelujah. Paul says, It's better for you spiritually if you can remain as I. But if you can't control yourself, if you can't walk down the street without looking at every woman that comes along, 
if you can't be married without um, you know, getting into uh, getting getting on the internet and, and and looking up all the porn sites and getting the magazines and all this, if you cannot remain, I'm, I'm trying to watch my language here. If you cannot remain unmarried and control yourself to the point that you have to perform uh, personal sexual gratification. If you have to do that, then you're not controlling your flesh. You you need something else. So when you come together with a sexual partner without the consecration of marriage, it becomes an unholy union. And the Bible says you actually are sinning against your own body. If you commit the sin of fornication, you are sinning against your own body. The last scripture that we were reading, we were close. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 and 20. He said flee fornication. He uses the word flee. He means run from it. Get out of Dodge. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without the body, but he that commits fornication sins against his own body. Now, the next two scriptures are scriptures that we all know, but most of the time they are pulled out of context. People will quote them for other things and not realizing that these were put in here in the context of this verse. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirits which are God's. Going to close. The moral collapse of America, the unholy union. Um, everybody has their own calling, and um, everybody everybody cannot. There's I've, I've met several people that just simply cannot survive by themselves in this in this world. They got to have somebody. You know, I mean. Uh, whether or not it's a sexually thing, a sexual thing or not, they got to have some kind of companionship. Some people are just just cannot live by themselves. Um, some people, uh, some people, you know, really got upset. I remember back with Brother Charles when he remarried. But uh, I'm going to tell you, the man had to have somebody. Uh, I never will forget the first time I went back up to Kentucky uh, after Sister Dot passed away. And we went up there to check on him and visit him. And uh, he asked if, uh, you know, we'd stay long enough to have a supper meal with him, him and Sister Shelton. I mean, all right. So, so okay. He said, but he says, do you mind? Uh, I got to run down here to the uh, run here to the store. You mind riding with me? I said, no, Brother Charles, I'll ride with you. And uh, so we uh, got in and headed off, just him and I. And uh, uh, as we was going to the store, he looked at me with a tear in his eye. He said, Brother Sammy, I wonder if I could get you to do me a favor. I said, what's that, Brother Charles? He said, would you help me while I'm here buy some groceries? 
He says, I ain't never done that in my life. He says, God has always did that. He says, he says we ain't got nothing. He says, I don't know what to do. I mean, he it's just something that he had never, he'd, he'd always depended on somebody else. You know, and I think it was, I was finally, finally good that God put somebody else in his life to help him. Some people, some people cannot live by themselves. And God, God has fixed a plan for you if you're one, one of those. Other people can get by just fine. But there's one thing you've got to do. The, the union that you have between you and another person cannot be an unholy union. It has to be a holy union, and that can only be done through the consecration of the marriage ceremony with God putting his stamp of approval upon it. Can you say amen? Let's stand together right now.